Hi, welcome back to Roll for Enterprise, the podcast described as the squishy center at the heart of Enterprise IT. Or the squishy heart at the center of Enterprise IT. I never remember from week to week which way around that's supposed to go. And of course, it's been a couple of weeks since you've heard my voice. I've been having lots of fun and the others have been minding the shop. That's the reason we have so many hosts. We have a redundant array of inexpensive, interchangeable, independent hosts, however you expand that. But uh, no, it's great to be back. Thanks, Mike and Zach. We really <laughs> missed you, Dominic. We're, we're glad to have you back here. I miss you, but you've done a great job. But hey, in the meantime, have you all got your job requirements out there for AWS and Finidash? I'm hiring for a couple of experts, but they've got to have at least five years experience here, you know. <laughs> so, so, Dominic, take us, take us through the whole story of, of, of Infinidash, because this is... Uh, Quite the take and uh, quite the um, the boil over. Um, I mean, when AWS starts playing with it too, I mean, you know we're in trouble. <laughs> yeah. So this is uh, what I still like Twitter for. So everyone was always complaining about Twitter, especially for some reason for the last few years, there was one particular user that got everyone riled up, but he's gone now, so that's fine. <laughs> but uh, when Twitter is good, it's really good. So this all started with uh, one developer or developer educator, I believe he calls himself, a guy called Joe Nash. He said, I'm convinced a small and dedicated group of Twitter devs could tweet hot takes around a completely made up AWS product. I don't know, AWS Infinidash or something. And it would appear as a requirement and job specs within a week. And sure enough, it did, uh, in no small part because Corey Quinn, uh, also known as Quinnipig, uh, of Screaming in the Cloud and various other things, uh, took the ball and ran with it very, very far and very fast. And it's just gone everywhere. There really are job requirements popping up everywhere. Signal was one of the first, but there are all sorts of others. People joking about forking Infinidash because they don't like the license. Amazon people have got into it. Werner Fogel's got into it. Uh, I think I saw other people from Amazon got into it. They, they really embraced it. And of course, the joke is funny because A, there's a sort of cliquey nature of developers, especially on Twitter, all chatting to each other about the latest fashionable hotness. And also, quite frankly, because who even at Amazon knows every Amazon service? There's 17 ways of doing anything that you can possibly name. It's entirely plausible that there's something called Infinidash that you've never heard of. You're being kind with 17, by the way, Dominic. Being kind. <laughs> well, in the database world, they only have like 13, I think. But uh, <laughs> I think they have. They literally do have like 17 ways of uh, running Kubernetes. <laughs> it's it's just incredible, and it really got it. I mean, legs of its own. Eh? I mean, it ran for a long, long time. And I mean, by the time I first saw it, I'm like what the heck is Infinidash? And I, I started going, look up for it. And then you're like, no, this is a joke. It has to be a joke. And then, okay, the articles came out and so on and so forth. But just just ridiculous. And and I, I honestly thought AWS would come out and say something, but they didn't. They just ran with it. They just, they just ran with it. Yeah, Jeff Barr was in on it. They just, uh, you know, that's that's good that they weren't all po-faced and sending the lawyers and stop talking about uh, our trademark AWS or something like that. You could imagine other companies taking that line. So they know uh, who they are. And I suppose, you know, in their position, <laughs> they can be very secure. They don't have to be concerned. Not worried at all. Worried at mm -hmm. all. Yeah. But but I think it shows the bigger the bigger problem, right, with all their products. I mean... <laughs> If, if we're making fun of it, I think everybody's talking about it at, at some level. Um, 
how, how you reel it in, how you manage it appropriately. I mean, the, the products just keep kind of exploding and exploding. And um, yeah, no one knows what the right way, wrong way of doing something is. And th- th- this is clearly a problem on, and I, I wouldn't say it's an AWS only problem. It's a problem that all cloud players today have. I don't, I don't know what your guys' thoughts are there. I mean, they have it in different ways. Uh, there was some hilarious Google Insider comics that got released on Twitter, although later I saw someone say that some of them had already made their way out. And I'll have to try to dig up the one I saw that was kind of describing from a Googler perspective what the other clouds are up to. They they all have different versions of this problem, which is, you know, how do you satisfy the the two opposing needs to have a simple story that you can tell people of what you do and what you're for and give them all the options and the flexibility that they need in situations that you haven't maybe expected or planned for. So, uh, you know, I, I printed this poster, uh, actually, um, both of my, my sons are in college and they're now, you know, trying to, you know, understand networking a little bit. And there's this poster from network general. You guys might've seen it from like, I don't know, 15, 20 years ago. And it's got all these, you know, all the layers of the OSI model, right. All the different protocols and all this connectivity. And I thought, man, this is like AWS. Maybe they should create something like this. So you can figure out how all these things uh, work together, all these products they have. And I thought this is perfect. I give you a three by five, that's foot three by five foot poster to put on my wall. And maybe I can begin to understand all these all these products they have because, uh, you know, I, I nah, you'd be down in three point type, and even so, they'd be overlapping. <laughs> yeah, <that's> <laughs> I was that's thinking exactly. four, but okay, three point five works. <laughs> that, that's true. That's true. I just want to know what is going on in Amazon with their with their marketing teams with all these things. But it's like they're I think they're creating markets that don't exist. But hey, they're successful at it, right? I, who knows? I mean, it might be it might it's working for them. The numbers look good. Yeah, it's their whole approach. It's the, the two pizza teams, uh, which, of course, in Italy means two people, right? Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> they they just come up with uh, whatever, and they go and do it. And as long as it interoperates with uh, the foundation Amazon services, it's fine. Nobody tells them not to. And but then you look at Microsoft, and they, they're solving problems that, you know, we might not be as glamorous, right? Maybe they're not they're solving, you know, with Office 365, productivity, you know, but... Yeah, Microsoft's the opposite. They have a clear story yeah. of, here yeah. we're Microsoft, this is what we do. Everything that they do fits into that mold. It's very controlled. It's just a very different approach. But do you think, and this will be for Mike, because he's mentioned this, but do you think it's time for even... We've talked about, you know, big tech, you know, maybe breaking up or spinning off AWS for Amazon, at least. But do you think within AWS, there needs to be different, I wouldn't say a breakup within AWS, Mike, but what are your thoughts on all this, so much going on there with all these products? I, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you know, so here, here's what worries me. As they, as they continue to add more and more products, there's more and more teams and more and more people needed to keep those up. And, and we're not talking the salespeople pushing the products. We're, we're talking about the developers keeping it up to date and, making sure that it, those products continue to evolve, right? So product managers, developers, so on and so forth. H- how do you continue? I, you know, and you guys think Microsoft is, is super clean and, and purposeful, but I think a lot of it is reactionary to AWS, um, what they do and what they release. I, I'd like to see what one, how one reacts to the other's um, kind of announcements and, and market changes, because I, I th- that I haven't figured out. And I, I don't know. I, I think it continues. And I don't see that spinning out because part of the power is that 
it's all within the same house, let's say. Um, but of course, yeah, sometimes there's there's outside products that that might work better. I mean, it, yeah, where are your best of breed? Is your best of breed going to be really built within AWS? Is it going to be built outside? But of course, companies need to decide, do I go best of breed and spend my time on inter- integrating? Or do I just pick what's off the shelf at, at AWS or at Azure and, and, and run with it? That, that's the real, the real challenge that companies face these days. And to be honest, I, I see more companies starting to lean towards picking best of breed and integrating and why is that happening? I think because integration has become much easier, right? API-driven economy, it's it's kind of, it's it's flipped from where it used to be. Yeah, putting on my work blazer for a moment, that that's exactly what we see. So for those who don't know, I work for MongoDB. Uh, come to mongodb.live next week. I'll put a link in the show notes. Uh, but that, that's what we do. We span across AWS, Azure, and Google Cloud. But the key thing is we don't make you deal with the complexity. We deal with all of that. From your point of view, you're using MongoDB, and MongoDB is available in more places with more options than it would be if we were in just one of those clouds. And so it's transparent. And we're kind of unique in the database world. Uh, Most of the other people who are doing that kind of thing are doing it via Kubernetes, which still does require a certain amount of care and feeding. But it's an approach that is out there. Other people are doing uh, this sort of thing in other places, and it seems to resonate with the need people have, and so that that's going to be, I think, the uh, the big shift that it used to be. You kind of had to commit to one of these, and that was legitimately your best choice to to go and get get yourself locked in because there were benefits to being locked inside, and uh, the pendulum swinging back the other way a bit these days. Yeah, I, I think also back to Zach's kind of initial question, like to spin part of AWS out, uh, that would have to be a pretty big market or a pretty big product within it. I, I don't know. I, I don't know if there's any product or any piece that would, would make sense there. I, I, I don't know if you think differently, Zach, but maybe, maybe what we don't know, um, maybe what we don't know is the, is the harder part, right? So how, how, how much these products are used? Yeah, that's, that's right. That's the thing. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in AWS. I, I just think that, you know, they're trying to, to grab everything they can from a revenue perspective, but I, you know, especially after AT&T's announcement, I just, I wonder, um, I, I don't know. I just wonder if they need to refocus. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, Amazon's out there playing four dimensional chess and the rest of us are playing checkers. Uh, so if they do decide to spin off the AWS part from the amazon.com retail part, the first we'll know of it will be when they tell us. Uh, that's that's yeah. my theory. We've been talking about this for literally a decade plus and it hasn't happened yet. I don't see any urgency for it to happen right now. I, I still think with all the antitrust talk around big tech, I, I think Amazon will spin out AWS and um, especially with Oh, Jazzy. I bet they have a, a plan in the, in the drawer. Yeah. No, it's in one of those glass cabinets break in case of emergency, <laughs> but it's ready to go. It's got... Uh, 256 steps and you go through it and at the end the two are cleanly split and everyone else is going what <laughs> yeah and i and i think if uh, if anybody's going to pull it off it'll be them where the others on on antitrust will just be victims of it um yeah and then we'll take it from there so let's see let's see which is the bear trap i worry that apple is insisting on jumping up and down on top of that that's a whole other topic but um 
what else has been going on in the news? The other big news story was, I'm not actually sure how to pronounce this company's name, Kaseya? Kaseya, uh, yeah. 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 So it was another supply chain attack. They got themselves hacked. But uh, it's another situation like SolarWinds, where it's not so much about getting into Kaseya. It's about getting into Kaseya's customers and then through them into their customers because Kaseya mainly supports MSPs. And so the fallout is still ongoing from this thing. And they've apparently offered to sell the the big... Uh, decryption key for for all the encrypted data, but for seventy million dollars, which is uh, not a bad payout. And uh, <laughs> then we'll we'll see whether anyone does that or whether people pay to decrypt their own data. But certainly, if you weren't paying attention to security now, and there had been a, a strand of thought for the last few years that hey, you don't need to do so much of that cybersecurity nonsense. You just pay for uh, the intrusion insurance uh this kind of proves that yeah maybe you do uh, if you if you don't have good backups etc especially because something that also happens is in this case it seems that the data is there and encrypted right but there are also drive-by opportunistic criminals who will delete the data tell you it's encrypted demand bitcoin and leave you with nothing uh so one of my favorite pieces of software is a tool called Newsblur. it's an rss reader because i'm old and i like that and they got themselves hacked through a Docker vulnerability. And the guy left, uh, presumably a guy, the hacker, uh, left them a message, left the developer a message uh, saying, hey, I encrypted all your data. And the developer took a look, you know, took commendable, uh, clear thinking, a time of quite high stress, no doubt, uh, took a look and said, no, there's there's been no time, there's been no bandwidth spikes uh, to to encrypt that amount of data. Uh, the data's just gone and refused to pay and restored from a recent backup because he had a good backup. Test your backups, people. And so this is going to be, I hope it's going to be a turning point that this is not going to be just like weather that we deal with constant ransomware attacks. But yeah, batten down the hatches. Yeah, and there were reports that um, Kaseo was informed by some Danish security company back in April, but I guess no one read whatever message they sent. Um, you know, back at so so two, two things to point out here. I I think when the Solar Winds hack happened, we said that you know this will become more relevant relevant and it'll happen in in more places than not. Um, and here we have Kaseo, another kind of um, yeah monitoring tool, patching tool for for your server infrastructure, but it does so much more. So it's got like elevated credentials everywhere, I would say. Um, so it's, yeah, it's bad. It's, 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 um, I, I, I think then what's going to happen on the enterprise side is companies will start to evaluate all these tool sets and go with names they trust. Those names they trust could end up being Microsoft and, and Amazon and whoever, which, you know, Microsoft plays um, right into this house with uh, SCCM and, 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 and SCOM, or, although it's all under the SCCM name now, I believe. So I, I think it, this holds bad for a lot of startups because you're you're going to have to uh, deal with that security component. Um, yeah, and it, it'll continue. I mean, it, it, there's, there's no way around it. I think these companies are all going to have to get much better. I, I'm sure every company uh, that has a tool that's similar is going through a top-down approach to, to, to lock down and to to make sure they have no bad code uh, in, in their compiles. So, yeah, there's there's no way around it. 
and you have to have defense and depth you have to have backups you have to verify your backups and test them it's a huge pain in the neck and uh, you have to do it but yeah i do wonder as you say whether this is the death knell of self-managed infrastructure at least at scale especially in light of the next item which uh, zach put in here i think uh, the kubernetes a black hole of unpredictable spend and it's a report that says that you know people start spending money in Kubernetes and it's uh, a lot more complicated than they expect and they end up spending a lot more than they budgeted for. And so I added another article below that, which is a a presentation from VMware a couple of years ago now, in which they described Kubernetes as a platform for building platforms, which is what I always thought. I never did understand why so many people were using it. I understand the attraction of the tool. I just don't understand why so many people are attracted to it. It's not something that everybody needs. It's something that actually uh, very few people should be using, especially in production. Stand up a dev test environment and deal with the maintenance, sure. But in prod, it's a lot of complexity that not everyone needs. You're not Google. You don't need to operate at Google scale. (laughs) You don't need to use Google's tools. Uh, Maybe you just need to use Google or Amazon or Azure. I, I did not put it in there. I think Mike did, but I absolutely yeah, yeah. agree with Oh, uh, Sorry for misattribution. Yeah, no, no. I absolutely agree with this. I mean, I've been saying this for a while. You know, this, Mike, I just hope Kubernetes thing just never made a lot of sense. It makes sense to me, to your point, Dominic. But, you know, do we want more complexity? I mean, people can argue, but it is complex. When you bring in networking and everything, there's a lot of complexity. Is that what we really want to do is introduce this complexity, like you said, right? This This Google scale and and do all this, and um, I still don't see the, the the traction in the industry. I just I still don't see it really uh, taking off outside of dev and, and labs and things like that, right? Uh, some one-offs. But uh, Mike, since you put it in here, I, uh, kudos to you. But I like to hear what you have to say. No, I, well, you guys are Kubernetes haters, so that's all I'll say. <laughs> not, not, not that I have a great experience with Kubernetes or that that we use it, but. Um, it's it's for scalability, right? I mean that that's what it is. It's to go from from zero to a million real quick. I mean, w- would you would you not agree with that assessment? So, I mean, I mean that's the main that's the main pull of of, of Kubernetes. I, I think here the the story is more about the unpredictable spend of cloud. And I think there's a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, forget about Kubernetes. Just take out the Kubernetes. Like, there's all this software that oh, we're we're going to help you on your cloud spend on your. But there's a a real like. Um, there's a high level of unpredictability. And I think a lot of people end up in trouble because all of a sudden they get these bills and they're like, where is this coming from? And and what I'm seeing is there's a lot of techies out there using cloud, not knowing really what they're doing or how to do it right. And then the, these huge bills come along and they're like, oh, you know, now you have some techies who need to understand the levers and triggers that they need to use to keep that spend reasonable to what they're doing and i think a lot of them don't get that and and forget about these software packages they're they're, they're not going to help based on, on on that aspect they'll they'll, they'll maybe predict it, but yeah come two three months down the down the line what's really happened and versus what you expected is a whole different story and, and i think this is this is where i think the the big cloud players need to kind of level up and and help the users or the you know, not the people consuming the tech, but the people building the tech to help, yeah, those enterprise IT um, consumers consume their services without 
you know, this harshness. Cause, cause I can see people moving back to on-prem based on some bad experience they're having. And I, and I see it happen every day, you know? So um, I think they're their best and worst enemies sometimes. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I mean, it's a pity Lilac isn't on this week uh, because we could reprise some conversations that she and I were having uh, fifteen years ago. <laughs> uh, no, not quite that long, but almost. And uh, and it was just about uh, people forklifting their old model of operation into the cloud. We have a, a physical server. Now the physical server is a VM. Now the VM runs in the cloud, but we keep on treating it exactly the same and never changing the mode of operations for that. And I see people now treating uh, you know, Kubernetes as if it's uh, a series of VMs. And it's it's not that, or it can be that. You can, you can always do things wrong, but then you're kind of missing the point and the benefits and the value uh, of Kubernetes. And that's the the bit that's that's missing very often. But again, the people who need that, who need Kubernetes as a solution to that problem is actually very limited. I would argue that most people would be better served to buy a PaaS that just abstracts that, that layer and you mm-hmm. pay for consumption rather than trying to build their own PaaS because you're not going to be able to do it better than the big mega providers and you almost certainly don't need to. Some of you, yes, but surprisingly few of you. Many people are doing it more out of inertia, out of some sense of needing to keep control than out of a, a real need. That's uh, that's my feeling. I would say not even pa- uh, pass. I agree, but I'll also say SaaS. Just figure out: Do you even need Kubernetes? What, what can we nowadays? Let let these software companies do it for you. I mean, let them create their own applications based on whatever Kubernetes or whatever, and offer it to you as a SaaS. And just go ahead and consume the SaaS, and then work your way on down. Serverless. You know what can you do with serverless, and then work your way on down a little bit more. And I think that's what limits the the need for a lot of Kubernetes. And, you know, initially this was a big threat for VMware, right? Because, you know, you're nesting in the operating system a little bit differently. You can have one or 200, right, uh, instances as opposed to five or six on the server. But to your point, Dominic, I mean, there's much more to it than that. But my thinking is when I hear PaaS, forget it. I don't, I don't want to have to mess with that. If I'm a company, show me what I can acquire from a software perspective and consume it. And I'll work on down the stack and and go from there. You should always be aiming to like abstract away as much as possible. I think sometimes yeah. um, the geeks within our universe love uh, like the million settings that you can adjust and get just right. Mm-hmm. But gosh, there's there's something that can make that so much easier and not worry about that. And I think that's where we need to uh, we need to head to. So if you could if you can abstract away servers, do it. If you can abstract away cloud, do it. So yeah, SaaS is like the ultimate way to go if 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 it meets. Um, your requirements or, or even some of your requirements. So uh, there's some, yeah, there, there's a lot to be be said in it. I think one thing that, that bothers me is we hear this word transformation being thrown around a lot in, in IT these days. Um, you know, I take care of digital transformation. I do this type of transformation. And, and you know, most people are just lifting and shifting to what you said, Dominic, and it, it's complete garbage. I mean, you really need to rethink of um, how you want to achieve whatever you want to achieve from a, a workload design perspective. And, and I think some people have have not kept up their tool set to what the industry is, is, is moving towards. Um, and that's why you have some companies that are winning and some that are losing. I, I think ultimately that's what it comes down to. Yeah. 
N- nothing bothers me more than hearing about uh, transformation and, and then somebody explains it and they're not doing anything. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like, uh, again, back in the day when people were talking about cloud migration. And at one point, there was a government initiative in various countries that you had to move three services online uh, in order to, to qualify for some incentive, I forget. And lots of people were choosing, one of them was email. Our email is now <laughs> in the cloud. Yeah, that's not really very transformative, is it, now, honestly? <laughs> How to sum that up? We've kind of gone from the cloud is too complex, there are too many services, to you should just use the services in the cloud. <laughs> How did we manage to wrap that one up? But no, that's. I think the, the, the through line through all of that is you need to know what you're actually trying to achieve. If you know what the ultimate goal is, and the goal is not, I want to use a specific piece of technology, the goal is some sort of user outcome, an end user outcome, then all the other bits gradually fall into place. There's a wonderful, wonderful presentation from many years ago that I return to often, and it has the slides at one point, congratulations for choosing the right Linux distribution said no CEO ever. (laughs) (laughs) And I kind of have that as a a reminder to myself. I'm kicking myself because I went looking for an old BOS developer release CD that I had. If you haven't heard of BOS, it's a 90s alternative operating system for the PowerPC. So it was something you'd run on your Mac back in the day. It very nearly became OS X, except Apple bought Next instead because that came with Steve Jobs. And so BOS kind of died quietly. At the time, it was amazing. It was the best thing ever. And it died because it didn't have that clear story of who is this for? What is the benefit? And I need to go and source myself another CD, another BOS CD to hang on the wall as a reminder that what you need is good product market fit Everything else you can work around, but good tech won't save you if you don't have that. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. The other thing that I think everybody needs to remember is this whole kind of cloud world. It's in the early stages. I mean, you might think it's in the, uh, you know, that everybody is quite mature and and there are some companies who are mature, but I think even the companies are, are figuring out their way, right? If you look at the AWS and and Azure and GCP, they're they're still kind of fine-tuning the entire model, I would say, to some extent, right? Um, but it'll stabilize at some point and become mature, and then we're off to the next kind of crazy dance, I would say. That's powerful what you just said, Mike. You talk to everyone else, they'll tell you that, you know, cloud's been around a while. Oh, you know, things are coming on-prem, uh, you know, cloud's dying and everything, and so... Uh, Heck, you look at A16Z, right? Martin Casado, his his whole article about, yeah, you know, some stuff, you know, coming back. I think what what you're saying is uh, going against the grain a little bit, but I like it. I don't disagree. There are some days where I think, you know, what's next in cloud? They will evolve. And and who knows? I mean, something, uh, you know, we haven't seen any big mergers. I'm not saying any, you know, I'm not saying, of course, you know, AWS and Google, that's not going to happen. But, you know, there's going to be some... uh, 
you know, as markets mature, there's a lot of acquisitions. I, we haven't seen any big ones really lately from the cloud providers, but you're, that's good. I'll, I'll, I'll put it this one. way. Like all the people that are moving stuff back on-prem, there's a reason they're moving it back on-prem or they're keeping it on-prem for a reason. I think those problems haven't been solved yet. All right. And I, I so I think that the reason to keep them on prem is not because they belong there, but it's because cloud hasn't figured it out yet. But cloud will figure it out. And, you know, like like Andreessen said, like software will continue to eat the world. You know, it's a it's a real bad place to be a, a you know, a hardware box maker these days or somebody who's trying to figure something out using hardware, because I think that's, you know, long term, there's there's no hardware in, the, in this that. Only the cloud players will have hardware, I I believe. Uh-oh, I'm looking over my left shoulder and my right shoulder right now. You guys can't see me. Um, yes, you're right. The people that work for hardware companies, um, I'm pointing at myself right now, <laughs> need to figure this out, right, Mike? We need to figure out what to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Net, network's, a harder, network's a harder one to figure out, right? But I think it is, it is simplifying, right? That's, yeah. I mean, I'm still going to have a phone at least, Zach, but... Uh, I ain't plugging in any wires to it except to recharge. And even that's kind of questionable. Yeah, even that, yeah. I haven't plugged my phone in to recharge for a long time. Yeah. Since then, it's less all puck. Yeah. <laughs> there uh, you go. With that, let's do recommendations. I have a new one because I was at the seaside for the last couple of weeks, which is why I wasn't on the show. But now I'm back in the wonderful swampy Po Valley. And so my recommendation is a Thermacell anti-mosquito device. So this thing is amazing. It's uh, battery powered, uh, which unfortunately is double uh, A batteries, which is not great. But hey, but it takes little butane uh, canisters and little uh, plaque things that you slide into it. But it's it's the first thing that I found, short of just surrounding yourself with a minefield of anti mosquito spirals. This actually does keep the mosquitoes off, and this is a lot more practical than that because you can just flick it on and off with a switch. So I'm really enjoying that. So we have two of those, and uh, my wife loves them. She'll take them out in the yard and put one next to her while she's working, and she swears yep. by them. Um, in the show notes, though, I am also uh, putting something in there, if you don't mind, around another solution to this is genetically modified mosquitoes. You've heard me right. Yes, in the Keys, they have released genetically modified mosquitoes. So next time I come on this call, I might have a 11 fingers, 12 fingers, I don't know. <laughs> But I do know that the government has allowed genetically modified mosquitoes out into the wild. They swear it's safe. It's never. It's the first time in the U.S. But hey, guys, it's. I safe, think right? I remember this. This is yeah. the sterile male mosquitoes, right? Right. Yeah. right. So yeah. they 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 yeah. breed with the females, but no eggs, and therefore baby mosquitoes result. I mean, if it works, great. I remember a long time ago, long enough ago, that I was listening to the radio in the car as opposed to a podcast. And someone was on the show, an actual entomologist, and the host asked, you know, there were all these animals and we get told that the bees are super important. Okay, fine. And all this, that is so important. The mosquito. Would anyone miss the mosquito if we somehow figured out how to make it extinct you know, tomorrow? And the entomologist said, oh, God, no. Kill them all. They're just a pest. <laughs> <laughs> nothing eats them. Nothing relies on them. They're just annoying. Okay, good. <laughs> Follow the science. That's what I say. Yeah, I, I have a. I, I gotta admit, I have a thermosol too, and it was yeah all an Instagram ad because damn, their their advertising is so good. Um, jury's still out on if it works though, but I, I mine recharges and has only like um I don't know some liquid cell that goes in. So 
I don't know. You got like, a rechargeable one. Uh, yeah, Amazon Italy yeah. only had the the double A version, but double A version. Oh, you guys yeah. don't care about the environment, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, evidently. He doesn't like electric vehicles. Come on. Yeah, he doesn't like electric vehicles. Gosh, you know, who knows, you know? So, um, uh, but Dominic, are you buying? They, they released the, the last normally aspirated V12 Lamborghini. Are, are you buying one or no? Uh, if you're paying, sure. <laughs> oh, okay, 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 okay. And you still I, haven't you still haven't bought a monitor. That's that's the other thing we're we're looking for. I uh, so haven't bought a monitor. I mean, at this point, I'm not going to buy it now. Uh, I'll wait for <laughs> the next Apple event. <laughs> it's an ongoing saga, isn't it? Oh my goodness! Oh my goodness! So I, I think I've spoke about it a couple of times here, but I, I finally got my Uni uh, Coda 16. So, so I started making uh, pizza in the Uni, and um, let me tell you, it's. Um, the first couple of times are a bit rough, but it, it, it's great. Um, might be eating a bit too much pizza right now, so this week we're taking a break. But uh, it's been great. I, I, I um, yeah, and it's not taking up my uh, my whole uh, backyard like a, a brick oven would. So yeah, quite happy with the purchase there. So. Well- how about a uh, nice Hawaiian pizza? Are you making one when I come over? There here? is no reason for pineapples to be on a pizza, Zach. But you know, we understand if you like that, but you just can't come here and have that. No, no. What what you do? What you do? Right? Is you order uh, like eleven Hawaiian pizzas to be delivered to the dressing room at Wembley on Sunday nights, just to get the Italian squad really fired up. <laughs> 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 go out there raging like orcs in the Lords of the Rings. <laughs> who did this? Uh, hold on. Hold, who are you pulling for? I thought about this. You pulling for England? No, no, no. no it's England. Okay. But he, he's, he's. I'm, you're... I'm British, but not English. I'm Scottish, yeah. oh, Welsh, okay. South African, oh, bit of Irish, <laughs> everything in there, but English. Okay. Don't make my that mistake, Zach. Uh, yeah, I've uh, seen people get hurt making that mistake. So. <laughs> That or the pineapple for both. both. <laughs> <laughs> I do like pineapple. I'm just gonna yeah, say that. I, I mean, I, I like table. pineapple too. I, I just don't have a sick mind where I would say, man, pineapple pizza, that's a great idea. No, no, there's there's no... Um, Dominic's still, still, still criticizing me about my barbecue chicken on pizza. So, you know, what can you do? <sighs> well... I was going to I was going to close on those words of wisdom, uh, but now I'm not so sure anymore. But hey, <laughs> we'll pick this up next week, by which time we'll know whether the Hawaiian pizza gambit works or not. But in the meantime, you can follow the show on Twitter at Roll4Enterprise with the number four or on our LinkedIn page. The theme music is by my good friend Renato Podesta. Please do send us suggestions for topics and or guests for future episodes. And we'll talk to you all next week. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Have a great weekend.